Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the High Motion Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host or co-host, uh, Jovan Alfred here. Like I said on Blog Talk Radio, shortly joining me will be my uh, will be my co-host and AFL insider Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com. But before we bring him on, if you haven't had a chance to uh, check out our recent episodes that we've done um, just this season from the season preview all the way to a couple weeks ago when we did our uh, when we look forward to uh, week 4 you can uh check out check them out on blogtalkradio.com black backslash um total sports live or if you want to if you don't want to do that you can also check them out on your on your handy dandy smartphone if you got an iPhone or an Android I don't know if people still rocking Androids out here but if you are you can um you can get the podcast on Spotify all you have to do is search total sports live to so podcast, hit the follow button on there. Appreciate it. If you tune in from there, you can get all the podcasts straight from there. Not only this one, but other TSL-related podcasts on um, on Spotify. But if you don't want to do that, and if you got an iPhone or an iPod Touch, since they're apparently making a uh, making a uh, comeback, you can uh, just go to the podcast uh, app on on any of your Apple devices. Uh, search Total Sports Live TSOS Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it if you do that. We also appreciate if you want to leave us a review or, you know, give us a rating, you know, whichever one. We appreciate um, any everybody that has been uh, checking out uh, this podcast during uh, this rather exciting uh, arena football season. Uh, we got a great show for you all um, um, today, uh, today. We're going to be looking back at another exciting week in the league. Um, looking forward to this week's uh, games, um, giving out our midseason awards, which are going to be really fun because I know me and Harrison are probably splitting hairs on a couple of our selections. And we got to go over the transaction wire, as we always do. There have been a couple of interesting uh, transactions that uh, happened uh, today on the wire. But before we jump into all of that, and I can't forget, we do got to go back into the DraftKings Chronicles. So we got to do that, too. But before we uh, do any of that, you already know who I'm bringing on with me. Here on the podcast, none other than my co-host, the Arena Football Insider, none other. There he is, Harrison Brown of Arena of ArenaFan.com. Harrison, how are you doing this week? Uh, we had another, another, I would say, another great slate of games last weekend, and it looks like we're going to be set up for another good slate of games coming up this weekend. It's good, Jovan. Yeah, man, I'm chilling. Uh, glad to be back with you talking arena football as always. Like like you said, last week was pretty good, so I'm excited to look back at it and see what they're going to do this week too. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. And you know, let's kick it off and uh, let's kick it off and start off with the hometown team. Even though when we say hometown team now, it could mean for either Philly or AC. Especially for you, it could mean both teams. But let's start yeah, off right. talking yeah. about the uh, <laughs> let's start off talking about the Philadelphia Soul. Uh, the Soul lost their third straight game, which is odd. Third straight game, they now two and three. They lost forty-five to thirty uh, to the Baltimore uh, Brigade. It was a very uncharacteristic game for the Soul because they hit a nice early, early touchdown with Darius with Darius Prince, but Dan Rodaball really wasn't clicking on all cylinders. Um, Shane Boyd was doing what Shane Boyd does best, which is just spreading the ball, managing game, not having any turnovers, and Again, the soul just they're 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 just missing something. Like I said, they lose forty five uh to thirty. They're now two and three. They're they're on a little losing skid, Harrison. What is going on with the soul this season in comparison to seasons past? Yeah, it's interesting. This year kinda I mean, the start has kinda reminded me of some years in the past. The soul don't always get out to to really great starts. That twenty thirteen season 
They went 13 and six and had a lot of struggles early. 2014, they went nine and nine and had a bunch of struggles early. So this isn't like brand new for the Soul, but since about 2015, they've been pretty solid, just running through everyone with the core group they had. But this is a very different group overall. While you still have a few of the core pieces like Rodeball, Reynolds, Romaine, Hollis, Jones, the whole secondary really. Uh, the, the defensive line is different, especially in the middle. They've had some problems with that. They released their first two starters. They had new starters last week. Uh, Isaiah Stevens was the new nose guard, and we liked him from watching film, and then they brought back Thomas Dover, and he played the Mac, and they had Jameer Outsie as well. So they're trying new things on the defensive line, which I like, because there really has been no pressure from those two middle spots all year, and it's really hurt them in terms of putting some pressure on quarterbacks because that's been a staple for the soul in the past. And this year, quarterbacks have really had time to just sit back there and just drop dimes on them. And then another thing that I would look at is the receiving core has dropped a little bit more balls this year. The routes haven't been as precise. The timing with road balls has been off. It just hasn't really gelled yet. But I think they have the, uh, a very strong group, if not the right group, in place. And I think they can get back on the winning ways this weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with all points um, there with you. And you forgot to mention they had Money Reynolds playing defense, too. They had him at the Jack uh, linebacker. So, I mean, like you said, they're trying many different things. They're bringing in a lot of of guys. Like you said, Isaiah Stevens, they just signed him earlier that week. (laughs) And he was already, you know, starting nose guard. And, you know, they're doing a lot of things. Because, like I said, the defensive line just hasn't, you know, been hitting home, and in the AFL, if you can't get the quarterback flustered and you allow him just to sit back and put in, and, and allow him to sit back, you know, and just dot up your secondary, you're in trouble because in the AFL game, unlike the NFL game, you know, your secondary, even in the NFL game, you can say this, but more so in the AFL, there's only three guys in the secondary, meaning mm-hmm. your secondary is on an island 24-7 most of the time. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, during this during the game yeah definitely it's really a one-on-one game and that also is on the defensive line too it's a one-on-one matchup there too so there I mean there's really no one to look at besides each individual defensive lineman you have to beat your guy you're not going to get double teams there's not going to be a scheme unless they you know keep the Mac in coverage but that doesn't happen as much anymore so it's interesting with the soul I don't think I think if a few different things happen they could easily be you know, not two and three. I think they could have more wins than that. I think the Washington game was a very close one. This Baltimore game, they really struggled in the second half of the game, and honestly, just the second part of the game, because even the second quarter, they didn't look that great. But it'll be interesting to see with them. Like you said, Money Reynolds is on defense, and he definitely has the athleticism and the talent to do that. I would just like to see him catching more passes on offense. I think it would do a lot for the offense to have a veteran and a guy like that who's really just a dominant, dominant playmaker. And I think that would really help the offense. So we'll see what they do with Jack. Teams tend to get creative with that. So it's not crazy to see Reynolds there. Lonnie Outlaw played it at previous points for the Soul. Chris Deaker used to play for the Gladiators. That was a backup quarterback. Bernard Morris saw a lot of time at it. Arvell Nelson at one point was like exclusively a Jack linebacker which is crazy now looking back on it now that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But that's for a different podcast. But, yeah, man, you can get creative with the Jack linebacker spot. So I'm interested to see what the soul do there. I mean, hey, they might keep Reynolds there. He's definitely talented enough to do it. I would just love to see him catch his passes on offense too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think they need Reynolds back on this offense because, like I said to you just today, just through text, you know, this soul offense, and I think the Baltimore game kind of illuminated it more. It's just nothing but deep shots and just vertical routes. Like, that's it. There's no underneath stuff. There's no intermediate stuff. You know, and you and you kind of need that, especially in this offense, especially when you got a quarterback like Rodeball who's, you know, they're running the three-step offense, which means I need somebody to get open fast, you know, boom, just streaking across the middle of the field, you know, going underneath, getting, you know, some um, underneath action. And I think, you know, like I said to you, I think you got to get other people involved. You got to rotate more guys in. If that means a BJ Bunn or a Jordan Williams before he got hurt, you know, getting them involved because they got speed and you just got to get that speed on the field. And hopefully they can, like you said, make some catches and, 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 and do things like that. Another thing that kind of that was that stood out to me from this game. And this is just looking back at the stats is that 
on third down conversions. Baltimore was five of six, but the soul, however, was one of seven on third down and one of three on fourth down. You just mm. can't, you can't, you can't win games like that at any level of football. But not even that in the AFL, you cannot win games like that. There's no way. Definitely, I think part of both of your points right there was that Lonnie Outlaw went out in the game and he got injured yep. when he went over the wall yeah. when he tried to make that big touchdown catch. He went over the wall and hit his head, probably got a concussion or something like that. Yeah, that was huge for them in a lot of those short-term throws like you were talking about because he is six foot seven, six foot eight, 200 whatever pounds. He's a big dude. He's going to be able to catch those in-traffic passes. If you throw a hit right. to him backside, you have a lot of confidence that with his body size, he's going to be able to box out the defender, and it's going to be an easy catch for him. But they lost him early in the game, so that really changed up what they had to do. And I still think they took their – their checkdowns with Prince and, you know, B.J. Bunn came in and got a catch. Washington only had one catch for 20 yards. It was really just Darius Prince in the game getting catches. He went seven for 108 and a touchdown. But other than that, Lonnie had two and everyone else had one. So it's going to be interesting to see how, what they do this weekend with the receivers because, like you said, Jordan Williams is out, Lonnie Outlaw is questionable, and Darius Reynolds is on defense right now. So besides Prince and Washa. I mean, I guess the next one up would be B.J. Bunn, who everyone is very fond of, but you don't really have a solidified third receiver coming out this weekend. Yeah, and, you know, we're going to talk about a wide receiver who they just picked up off the transaction wire a little bit later. Maybe he can provide them with some um, with some offense. We'll see. We'll break him down along with some other transactions. Late, late uh, come, week, yeah, very, late very week, late. So. Very. We'll see. we'll see. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe, 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 like you said, maybe they do go back to money and give them more snaps on, on offense because you're in, you're you're in a desperate situation right now. You cannot, you're the soul. You cannot go two and four, especially against an opponent like Columbus. Even even well, though I know they, they like BJ Barn. Right, they're very fond of him. They like him at that Z spot, and he's kind of a little bit. He reminds me a little bit of SK, a little bit of that smaller mm-hmm. guy with a little bit of a wiggle. And, right. I mean, we'll see what he can do. I think he can have some success. They get the ball out quick. It's a receiver-friendly offense. You're going to get your touches, get your catches. So, I mean, I'm excited to watch him play if he does get an opportunity this weekend. I think he could be good. It's just going into it with a rookie is a little bit more nerve-wracking than a veteran. Very much, very, very much so. So we'll see what happens there with the soul. They'll be playing uh, Columbus down at the Wells Fargo Center Saturday, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time game on ESPN 3. Um, also coming? happening in uh, – nah, 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 nah. Come on, man. But I'm going to make right. it. I'm gonna make it to I'm gonna make it to the next one. Next one. Next one. Next right. one is what? That's June June ninth. Cool. June ninth. Cool. June ninth. I got you. I'm gonna make it. Is we're at the midway point of the season, so it's now like second half since they had a lot of road yeah, games we're there now. now. <laughs> right. Now it's like all the home games are about to stack right up, so and I think a lot of the uh home schedule was Sunday games, I think, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of it Sunday games, Sunday afternoon games. So I'm definitely going to make it and be down there. Got to see this team in action before it's all said and done. Um, also happening in the um, AFL this 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 past weekend, Albany they stayed undefeated. <laughs> they uh, defeated the Black Jacks fifty fifty four to thirty five. Um, this the third straight game that they scored over fifty points. Malachi Jones with another great game, twelve receptions for one hundred six yards, three TDs. Kendrick Ings who did a great job of matching to be honest, 11 receptions for 106 mm-hmm. yards, three TDs and one kick return for a touchdown. But again, Albany was still able to pull it out. Harrison, do you think that Albany can go un- can finish this season undefeated? Is it a possibility or am I just, or am I just, you know, talking crazy at this point? I mean, possibility, Hey, the 2014 Cleveland Gladiators went 17 and one and they were supposed to go like, uh, they were supposed to be like one of the worst teams in the league that year. So anything is definitely possible in this league. It's a crazy game. I mean, the Valor won the championship with two wins last year. Like weird stuff happens. I don't know. Undefeated, there's still a long way to go for the Empire. They've got to see the Soul at least one more time. I don't know how many more times they have to see them. And, I, I mean, the Soul are going to want to beat them when that time comes around. They're going to be hungry for that one. Undefeated, maybe. 
this weekend was definitely a good game for the Empire once again. Their sure. offense is firing on all cylinders. I mean, Tommy Grady is is miles ahead of basically every other quarterback in the league in terms of completion percentage and touchdowns. He threw five more this weekend. Like you said, he hit Malachi for three. Malachi is just continuing just an absolute reign of dominance over this league since he came in that first weekend last year. And, I mean, it would be crazy if he didn't get at least another – you know, at least a few more workouts and then a training camp opportunity this year. But for them, mm-hmm. they also have you know, a lot of options of receiver. I love DJ Stevens' game this year. I think that's been a very underrated pickup for them. Quentin Sims for sure. is a great player to add. You know, they lost Joe Hills, but when you've got those two and then Colin Taylor and then another superstar like Malachi, it really is evened out. So I love what Albany has down there. Yeah, Albany, their next three games – home against Washington, home against Baltimore, and then at Washington. So it's mm. a little bit tricky because we saw how the first Washington game went <laughs> or a couple, a few weeks ago in Albany. So they get Washington twice in three weeks. I, I want to say they go undefeated just because Arvell has been turnover prone every game this season, and Baltimore can shame Boyd you know, go back and forth with Grady in an offensive shootout? Maybe. But it's hard <laughs> to bet against them losing three games, losing one of these next three games. It's just hard. <laughs> I, I mean, the only thing about it is they already played Washington, and they have to play them two more times in these next few weeks. You do start right. to get familiar with teams, at least. Like, Washington will at least That's be true. very familiar with Albany going into that third game. I mean, it won't be a surprise what they're going to bring out to them. There's only so much you can really do in arena football anyway. So when you've played a team a bunch of times, there definitely becomes a level of familiarity familiarity and comfort when you're playing against them. Oh, yeah, for sure, definitely. So we'll see how that goes uh, for them. And then moving on, last game of the weekend, talking, speaking of D.C., uh, they escaped with another late fourth-quarter victory, this time over Seabus, uh, 29-27. Arvell Nelson, another Solid game, 214 passing yards, 21 rushing touchdowns. I mean, 21 rushing yards, excuse me. Uh, Three total TDs, but an interception. Grant Russell, who started out this game really strong, really strong. I mean, folks, he had a perfect first half, but then he threw a pick six, threw an interception in the second half, and it kind of went all downhill from there for him. Uh, He did finish the game 20-27, 173, three touchdowns, three sacks. Fabian Fabian, uh, Guerra. Had two of his of of Russell Street touchdown uh, passes. Harrison, what can we take away from this game from both sides? What can we take away when it comes to the Baylor escaping with another victory? And what can we take away from Columbus, even though that they lost? It seems like they're getting closer to that W. Yeah, this was a fun game, but a really really ugly game. There's only seven total touchdowns. In, in the entire game, and usually when you think of an arena football game, the quarterback's going to throw seven touchdowns alone, and then you might add in a pick six, kick return, or a rush. You're getting up there, but no, only seven touchdowns between both sides. Columbus held the lead until the final seconds of the game. They literally never were down until that last throw. It was ugly, but, I mean, hey, credit to Washington. They really hung in there. They stayed in the game the entire time, and then they struck on opportunity, and it it just, I mean, obviously this is not true, but it just seemed like Columbus didn't even want to win the game. They just blew it, man. They had it. They really that did. offensive line. Kind of offensive line killed them. Yeah, it's just like, come on, man. You guys are there. Just hold on for those last few seconds. But, yeah, that was a tough loss for them and at home, too. But it's it's oh, the crowd a good game, at least. It was an entertaining one. It came down to the wire. But for both of these teams, I mean, you've been on the R about nothing bandwagon all along. I'm starting to get there just with the way he's been playing. He's really been falling out. And, I mean, they're not the perfect team, but they're clearly a scrappy team. They're hanging in there. And I know a lot of people are starting to really kind of hop on the Valor bandwagon as maybe the Mm -hmm. second or third best team in the league. Um, Call me a homer. I mean, they're struggling right now, but I'd still, like, in the long run, not not right now because I know they're struggling three-game streak, but in the long run, I'd still probably take Philly as the second best roster, even over the Valor. But I kind of, I'm starting to understand the hype. They have a really good receiving core. I like Desmond Epps a lot. Everyone does. Doug McNeil is one of the most talented receivers in the league. He's gotten CFL and NFL opportunities pretty much each year he's been in it. 
Josh Reese has continued to develop. He had that game-winning touchdown versus the Soul a few weeks ago. And Dangerfield led them in catches uh, last weekend. So they have the talent. They have a pretty good defense, too. I think one place that they could really stand to improve is both both sides of the line. I like their offensive line, but I think the defensive line could really use a step up. And the offensive line, I mean, hey, everyone can always use help up front on the offensive line. And it would definitely not hurt them to go out and add a piece to maybe help. But I think the defensive line is somewhere they can improve. But I understand this Washington hype now. I'm starting to see it. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of – a lot of teams in those situations will be able to come up with those last second wins against Columbus and Washington. But when you have a when you have a steady veteran quarterback, Arvell Nelson, who knows what to do, it happens. And we saw that in the Soul game, and then against you know, and then in the Columbus game. I mean, it was more so it wasn't even Grant Russell. It was more so his offensive line, offensive linemen stepping on him. Literally, that's how the fumble happened yeah. <laughs> in the last thing of the game, and that's and to be and to be honest, that's been a real problem for Columbus. Every when you watch them all the time, you hear the announcers talking about Russell's not getting enough time in the pocket, or he's throwing the bad interception, or he's getting stepped on by his offensive lineman. But as some, but it's it goes back to something. It goes back to what me and you've been talking about, Harrison, for a long time. Uh, on this on this on this show is that you know this is what happens when you have a lot of rookies playing on your team they're going to go through the growing pains and sometimes it's just not pretty yeah i mean it's still all rookies just all around they you know and i like the rookies they have like fabian guerra that's been a great pickup he was great in the nal he went in the aaf that's all good stuff stoshak another one and then this guy julian lowe who they just took off injured reserve but when you have a group of all rookies, you're going to go through these growing pains. You're only going to put up 27 points in a game, and they haven't been scoring very good all year. So, I mean, this is like – it's not that they're not a good group, but when the league is so small like this and everyone is so veteran-filled, I mean, each team other than Columbus has a lot of veterans on both sides of the ball that have at least played this game for a long time. Whether they've been superstars at this game for a long time, that's a different subject, but – I mean, Arvell Nelson has right. been around for a while. You know, Doug McNeil has been around for a while. Reggie Gray has been around. Like, I mean, that's just the valor. But it's just – it's tough when you got a group of all rookies going against these veterans who know this game inside and out. But, I mean, I think this team is going to continue to develop. I think each week, like you said, they are looking better and better. And Fabian Garrett is really breaking out and kind of turning into his own type of superstar. So, they have some promise there. And they have kind of a stingy defense. They held Washington at the 29 points this weekend. But it's just still, it's going to take some time. Yeah, it definitely will take time. So we'll see how, you know, they continue to progress this season and see if they can eventually notch their first win, which I think it will happen. Just who knows when it will happen. Um, you're listening to the High Motion Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. Like I said earlier in the show, if you missed this pod, you missed this show or any of our previous ones, you can check it out here on blocktalkradio.com backslash Live or you can check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All right, we got through our we got we got through last week's games. Now, before we look forward to this week's games, we got to do our midseason awards. This is very interesting because there's a lot of even even though it's a six team league, there's a lot of there's a lot of good players in this league this season, and there's a lot of guys that you could say I could see him going for this award. But I can see him going for another award. There's a lot of parity, and I think that's a good thing. But that being said, there's only one person that gets picked for each award. So without further ado, let's start with MVP. And at the midseason, who would be our midseason MVP? I'm going to start off first. My my midseason MVP is none other than Tommy Grady. Grady has just been uh, phenomenal this season. He leads the league. Um, and, and, and completion percentage, 71.7% completion percentage, leads the league in touchdown passes, 28, only three interceptions, um, second in the league in, uh, in passing yards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's been he's been balling. He's been dominating this season. He's been he's been the reason why the empire, you know, why the empire is 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 playing is playing as well as they played this season and there's no reason why Grady probably will and won't probably there's no reason why Grady won't end the season between seventy to eighty touchdowns, I believe. But that's my MVP selection. 
Harrison, what about you? Yeah, Grady was the guy I wrote down as well. Like, I mean, you gave a great description of his season so far. He's really been firing on all cylinders, 71.7 completion percentage. That's what stands out to me in that 129.6 QB rating. He's had a great season this year. I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate and just make a pitch for Arvell Nelson. The completion percentage mm-hmm. is down, but he leads yeah. the league in yards and total touchdowns when you look at the rushing exactly. touchdowns plus <laughs> plus passing touchdowns as I make this pitch to the Arvell Nelson bandwagon leader, Joe Von Alford. But Arvell yeah. definitely has a stake at it too. And, I mean, this has been a dilemma in every sport every year, but you have to break down what the term MVP means because Albany has right. a lot of superstar players, and it's not to say they wouldn't be – you know, I mean, they probably would have took some losses without Tommy. Absolutely. He's one of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in this league, in the league's history. But Arvell, I mean, since they got Arvell, how much better has that team gotten? They were not winning at all. I mean, they were like, I don't think they had won when they signed him. And then they signed him. They win a few regular season games. They win most of their playoff games besides the one. Obviously, they win the championship. And then this year, they come out and they're three and two right now, and they're looking good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said upset the soul, and Coffee was like, "What well, did they really upset?" But I kind of think it was an upset when the Valor beat the Soul. I was definitely predicting the Soul to win that game, and I think a lot of people oh, were. Yeah. But I mean, so there's there's a pitch for Arvell Nelson to be the MVP, but Tommy Grady is his numbers are crazy this year, so that's why I wrote down as well. Yeah, I think Grady kind of gets the nod too, just because. Albany's undefeated. Now, if Albany had the same record as everybody else, then there could be, like you said, more discussion um, for MVP, which leads to Offensive Player of the Year. Who do you have as Offensive Player of the Year at the mid at the yeah, midway so point of, of the year? Stay in Albany. I mean, five and zero, leading the league in receptions, leading the league in yards, leading the league in catches. It's Malachi Jones. I mean, he like I said, he's been ridiculous since Too week good. one last year and it's it's still crazy to me that he started last year out in the AAL with the havoc I mean that's crazy to me but wow what a what a a treat it's been to watch him in this league so far he's really been balling he's really been dominating and I mean that's that's who my offensive player of the year would be Arvell once once again he's been dominating on offense so there's that pitch there for him and the receivers you know we never know who's going to break out we never know who's going to go crazy in this second half of the year there's a lot of time left. So these midseason awards, I don't necessarily love doing them, but they are fun to do. I can't even lie to you, just picking these guys. But, I mean, hey, Prince could go off. Ez could re- Epps could really step it up in the second half of the season and keep dominating. Kendrick Ings has played good. So a lot of things can happen. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, my pick is definitely Malachi right now. My offensive player of the year is none other than Arvell Nelson. Like you said, Arvell, hey. like you said, Arvell has played out of his mind. I mean, like you said, when you think MVP, you think the most viable player, it's him. He leads the league in passing yards right now. 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. I wish the interceptions were a little bit lower, but it happens. But when you have 27 total touchdowns and you lead the league in rushing as a quarterback in a non-rushing league, that's, that's pretty impressive. And like you said, you could you can honestly go Malachi Jones there. Shoot, is there you could you can make Malachi Jones MVP if you wanted to. I yeah. mean. That's how, that's how, that's how close that's how close these awards are, especially this season. Like I said, there's just so much parity. So my offensive player of the year right now is Arvell Nelson. Um, when we look towards the uh, next award, defensive player of the year, um, deep defense player of the year. Like I told you, I had a tough choice picking who I wanted to go with this, but right now I'm leaning towards Joe Powell. Um, Three INTs, 24 total tackles, fifth in the AFL. I think his three interceptions lead the league in the AFL. That Baltimore that Baltimore secondary, the soul saw it up, up close and personal. They're scary. They're hard hitting. I mean, Josh Victorian, he lays he 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 can he can lay the hit he can lay the hit stick without no without, without no problem. And uh and, and 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 Powell's done a great job. You know, another guy who's had, you know, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. Um, in the in the NFL, you know, he's he's just been phenomenal, uh, for the brigade. So that's I'm going with for D for my defensive player of the year. What about you? I like Powell, but I'm actually I'm a I'm gonna go with a guy in the middle, the middleman position, and he's a rookie as well. I'm gonna go with Keontae Northington from the Atlantic Ooh. City Blackjacks. Okay, just watching All him right. in person this year, 
I've been really impressed with his game in the middle because it can be a transition, and he didn't even play the middle last year in the NAL, so it can be a crazy transition to adjusting to covering the high motion, and he's done a fantastic job of it. Like, Malachi got him a few times this week, but prior to that, he really hadn't been beaten vertically like that. Like, you're going to give up your check downs, you're going to give up your little dinks and dunks, but, like, taking the top off huge shot balls, Northington really hasn't been beaten on. He's really held his own all year. And he had those two picks in that game versus Baltimore on, like, back-to-back plays. It was crazy. And he has been really an impact player for them. He's made a huge difference for them. And he's been, crazily enough, even as a rookie, he's been a, a huge piece of consistency for them with him always just locking down the middle. Like, they've had their problems here and there defensively. Albany really did give them fits, but Albany's gave everyone fits so far. But, I, just, I mean, it really hasn't felt like Northington has been the guy getting beat on a lot. He lost a few to Malachi, like I said, but other than that, I've really been impressed with him. So that was my defensive player of the year. I like your guy, Powell. He obviously has the extra pick, and he's a heck of a player, but I just decided to go with the middle guy who's also a rookie. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I like that pick, that. And the crazy part is I was looking at his name, too, and I just couldn't. I just, for some reason, I, it wasn't clicking with me. <laughs> but, hey. If he can become defensive player of the year for an expansion team, like you said, after playing in another league, not playing in the middle, I mean, that would be amazing. Uh, that would be amazing, to be honest. So I like that pick, like that pick. Uh, rookie of the year, who do you have for rookie of the year? A couple guys that make sense there. Um, obviously, Grant Russell hasn't had the easiest start to his career, but he, he's looked all right. His numbers are okay. So he's got a place for it, being the only rookie QB, but – my pick for Rookie of the Year is actually going to be Fabian Guerra, his top receiver. Um, it's close between him and a few other guys, but the reason I went with Guerra is just the overall touchdowns he's been getting. And then you got the kick returns. He's got nine receiving. He's, he's really been a good, really good impact player for them. And it just kind of feels like he should have got called up last year when he was on the Cobras now, watching him go from the Cobras to the Memphis Express and now dominating the AFL. It's just like, I feel like everyone was missing out on him last year, but wow, what a playmaker he's been. Obviously, he tweeted out that he got that XFL invite. That's great for him, but I would love to see him stay in the AFL for a long time and keep dominating this. He's a great Z receiver. He's another one of those smaller guys with a lot of speed, and that's my rookie of the year so far. Hey, I like it. I like it. I like it, and I'm going the same way. I'm going uh, Fabian Guerra, like you said. He's been, I mean, that's. I think, to be honest with you, that six-touchdown performance, I think, really opened up a lot of people's eyes that followed the league. Like, wow, yeah. like, this guy is the truth. And don't get it twisted. Like, Desmond Epps had an explosive first week that really caught people's attention. But to go six touchdowns in the way that he did it, that was that was impressive, mildly impressive. And he's been he's been a star. He's he's been a, he's been a star. You know, outside of Malachi Jones, you know, Fabian Garrett's been the second best wide receiver in the league. If you know, we're being honest, he's 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 been that good um this season and you know, a part of a wide receiver a young wide receiving court that's really playing good. You know, Revis has had his moments. Uh Shoshak, you know, he's been playing pretty good too. So it seems like the the destroyers just in general have a nice young core wide receivers and this is without, you know, Donovan Morgan. So if Garrett can continue the pace that he is, which I'm pretty sure he is since he's their best wide receiving option until Donovan Morgan comes back, I'm pretty sure he has rookie of the year locked up. But <laughs> it could Desmond Epps could, you know, he could he he can honestly catch fire again and Grant Russell can I mean if Garrett's playing good, that means Grant Russell is playing good. Definitely. Epps was my second pick for it. Epps has had a great year so far and I mean you could also look at the DBs. Northington might not win Defensive Player of the Year. He could be an option for it. Nias Martin is a rookie. He's the backside corner in Baltimore. He had two picks for 26 yards and that touchdown against Atlantic City the same night that Northington had two picks, and he won Defensive Player of the Week for that. So if he grows off that performance, he gets some more picks, he could be an option for it. And then the crazy thing about the AFL is, I mean, some of these rookies probably haven't even seen that much time yet that could break out in these next six weeks, you know. Obviously not wishing anything bad on Arvell, but me and you have both been big fans of Gerard Evans, the backup quarterback for right. Ballard. Who's, who knows if mm-hmm. he gets in and dominates these next six weeks? You know, who knows what's going to happen if Arvell were to get That's some true. opportunity or unfortunately were to be injured. Like, a lot of crazy things happen in the AFL, 
I mean, rookies, you're always going to be getting an influx of guys. Like we just talked about, we kind of touched on it in the show already, but the soul signed a rookie receiver today. So who knows if he goes off in these next six weeks. So it should be an interesting finish of the year. Hey, definitely should. And before we jump into transactions, uh, let's talk about coach of the year. Who do you have for coach of the year? Coach of the year, I mean, for me, there's only really one way to go, and that's undefeated Auburn Empire. I would go with Rob Keefe. seems like he's got a good thing going on down there program-wise. It seems like the coaching staff he has on hand with Les Moss and Dave Ewart is a really talented staff, and they've got a good thing going out there. They've got a lot of good players. That would probably be my pick. i got a lot of respect for Coach Lombardi here in Philly. Um, just a guy I've known for a while, just covering the team. He runs a great offense. I think they're going to get it back going. I think they're going to win a lot more games. I don't think that they're going to keep losing. I think they're going to figure it out pretty quickly in Philly. So he's definitely someone who could do it. And honestly, the guy who I was just most impressed with from going and watching the game live and then talking to a few players who play there uh, is Omar Smith with the program that he runs. It's just the, the way that they do things is kind of differently. I mean, it's just a lot of, you know, intensity, like, hey, we got to be moving wherever we go, run off the field, run in practice. A lot more times, like even when I went to college from high school, like in college, it was a lot less, like, strict about the running places and stuff. You could kind of get to where you had to go as long as you were being, you know, as long as you were handling your business. It wasn't like, oh, run everywhere, go grab this, yada, yada, yada. But it just seems like in Baltimore it's much more strict. It's much more like, hey, come on, let's go, let's go, run off the field, run off, you know, the practice field, whatever it is. So he's another one, and he's a great coach. A lot of a lot of championships for Omar Smith as a player and a coach. He worked with Kevin Guy out in Arizona. He worked with Darren Arbett in San Jose, played for Arbett. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of history with him. He has a lot of knowledge. He's a very talented coach as well, and they have a pretty good roster. So it could be any of those guys, but as of right now, midseason, got to go undefeated. Yeah, you can't go – uh, wrong with uh with Coach Keith there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have it, I have a different selection for everybody. I'm going different. I'm going with Ron James in 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 Atlantic City. I oh. think he's done a yes yes yes. I'm going there. I think he has done a great job um with the Black Jacks. I think you know for an expansion team, I think they've done a great job with their roster, uh, with their roster development. I think they he's done a great job of putting a talented coaching staff together. And I think, you know, for an expansion team, unlike Columbus, no shade, but, you know, the Blackjacks have been competitive in every game they played since the first week against sure. the Soul. And I think that says a lot, you know, for an exp- for an expansion team that I think is only getting better. We're seeing, like like you pointed out, defense. They have a lot of young guys on there, but making names for themselves offensively. Um, Lamarck Brown has been kind of, you know, been, a, been in public enemy number one of a lot of opposing defenses, but the other other guys have started to step up for him. So I'm going to go with Ron James as a coach of the year, especially especially if he can get AC into the playoffs, which means mm. somebody would have to be out, which is kind of disappointing, which is kind of disappointing because that means so uh, Baylor or Brigade could be out of the playoffs. So that's just inter- that's just something thing, that – you need it no is. more it to is. win championship teams. Got to get rid of that, man. I'm not with that. So I'm I'm all for it. Eliminate eliminate two of them. Eliminate three of them if you need to. No more <laughs> no more two yeah. win championships. <laughs> yeah, that that aggregate that aggregate thing really just got to just really grind my gears because it was just like, all right, even if you lose your first game, like you can't even you have to be almost within a touchdown, like. By, yeah. by default, you got to be within the touchdown because if you're down double digits, you're now starting the game. All right, so you lose your first playoff game by like 15 points. Now you're already 15 points behind. So it's like right. now you got to win by however much you have. And then on top of that, so it's just, I mean, I get it. I think other leagues do it too. But I, like you said, I just, you know, I just ain't feeling it because it takes away from the competitiveness of it instead of just being one and done type of thing. One and done, boom, this is it. But, hey, you know, whatever flows they boat, I ain't judging. You I know, mean, it is what it is. And, you know, another thing for it is the league is small right now, too. So, I right. mean, if there was more that teams, is- I don't think this would have even been considered. I think this is just kind of out of, well, we only had four teams last year. They, I mean, last year they almost didn't even play. So, they had to figure something yeah. out for the playoffs when they were, you know, late in the mark. So, that's what they decided to do. I don't love it. I mean, 
it's all right for right now. Hopefully they get a few teams next year and they can just get rid of it. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it makes it interesting in terms of, I mean, the Valor lost that first game by one, and then they came out right. and beat the, the Empire last year, and then they won. So I, I mm-hmm. guess it leaves a little bit more room for the upset. It kind of kind of helps an underdog team out, honestly. But oh, yeah. I don't know. It is what it is. For sure. Um, we got – few more minutes left here on the pod before we wrap up um before we wrap let's look at the um what's that thing called a transaction transaction wire uh today a couple big moves maybe uh you pointed out to me harrison baltimore getting Linroy lenroy naismith so he's gonna be playing he's their new linebacker now with gooseby obviously being out for 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 the foreseeable future former soul uh Linebacker gets picked up by B. Moore. We saw Spencer Myers for sole former defensive lineman who got picked up by the Blackjacks get released earlier this week, and we already hinted toward it, towards it during the show earlier. But the Soul also picked up Damon Powell, a wide receiver who had who had, who um, was signed with the Montreal Alouettes, but before then was an was was an electrifying player. In the IFL with the uh, Cedar Rapids Titans and the Sioux Falls Storm and the Solo Fonda offensive lineman. Any thoughts on these uh, transactions that have happened this week? Yeah, it was a lot of movement in the AFL. I mean, I started off with Lenroy Naismith. We kind of joked about it, not about Guzmi's injury, but we joked about how the, the bouquet might uh, sign Lenroy Naismith and just keep the trend going with signing former Solo linebackers. And they wound up doing so. And I mean, that's interesting, but. Looking at what the Soul did today, I like the addition of Damon Powell. Obviously, there's going to be a transition to the AFL, and I think it's kind of unlikely he plays this week. But, um, you know, you got to get new new faces in, fresh faces. Marvis Brown's a, a big offensive lineman who played at Arkansas State. That's a positive thing. Like I talked about earlier, literally you can always use good offensive linemen. There is never going to be a time where a coach is like, man, we got too many good offensive linemen. We should get rid of them. That doesn't happen. So you can always use good offensive linemen. So we'll see how he does transitioning to the game. The Valor signed mm-hmm. back Dominic Addison, who I don't think they've had oh, this yeah. year, but they did have in years past. He's a six foot two guy, right. good field side corner, um, veteran guy. He's been around. That's a positive pickup for them. Um, Paul Browning, former Black Jacks receiver, signed with Columbus. So that's uh, some veteran that's interesting. receivers. Yeah, that that is interesting. I thought so too. It's a veteran receiver for Columbus. I'm not sure how he'll fit in with Guerra, Stoshak, Revis. Demo's going to be back eventually. But, I mean, unless he's going to be that someone. deep threat guy. Yeah, true. And they had Anthony Amos at one point this year. But you need someone with a little bit of experience. So I like that. They redid Russell's contract. Um, and then, other than that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. A lot of guys go on suspension, a lot of guys go on. The recallable and stuff like that. Last week, the Soul cut their backup quarterback, Patrick O'Brien, and signed Danny Southwick, a longtime guy who's bounced around to a lot of teams on the Portland Thunder and the LA Kiss. That was interesting. I, I heard only good things about Patrick O'Brien, and I'd actually seen his film when I was working for the flight. And everybody I had talked to on our staff and just from around was very, very high on Patrick O'Brien. And then when he served with the Soul, Everyone there was very high on him as well. So I was surprised to see him released. But Danny Thomas was a guy with a lot of experience. So that is a good guy to have in relief of Rodeball if anything happens. He played for the Destroyers earlier in the year. Didn't look great in that week one game. But we'll see how he does in Clint Dalzell's three-step system. He was here last year, but he's never played in the game. So if he ever has to get in, you know, not wasting any AOL, but if he ever has to get in, we'll see how he does in the three-step. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, when we were talking, when we were watching, you know, where we were talking during the Soul game, we was like, oh, we like, oh, wow, Patrick O'Brien's not on the team anymore. What's going on there? You know, rookie guy, the Danny Southwick, who was, you know, who's been a journeyman quarterback at best, no disrespect, but journeyman quarterback. Interesting. And like you said, just always in the AFL is always interesting to see who gets, you know, signed or, you know, gets put on get put on reassignment or things like that, just to see the new faces that are coming in or not coming in. And like you pointed out to me, especially at the wide receiver position this season, we're seeing a lot of guys um, from other leagues, you know, get their shot as well. Definitely. It's been a lot of NAL and IFL guys, and it's something that's caught my eye 
just in these past few years, like you look at it, Malachi Jones played in the NAL in 2017. Darius Prince, NAL in 2017. Fabian Guerra, NAL in 2018. Desmond Epps, IFL in 2018. Like, and the list goes on and on. I'm sure there's more than just that, but it just seems like more and more they're signing more guys from those lower-level leagues instead of fresh out of college or right out of an NFL camp. And even the AAF, which me and you had potentially said could be a big-time recruiting thing for them, they've decided to go with these lower-level leagues. And I think the reason for that is just the transition it takes to playing arena football, to getting used to the walls being there, for the quarterbacks, the timing of the game, for the offensive linemen, kind of being on that island, always kick-stepping. There's really no run blocking. You're going to run block two, three, four times a game. You're not going to do it much. It's all kick-step. It's all pass protection. The defense, you got to get used to the DBs, get covering that motion. You're on the island. You're pretty much always one-on-one. So there's a lot that it takes. And arena football, Joe Guzby said it to me during the interview. He said it's not rocket science. I, I like that. It really isn't rocket science. The the coverage is pretty much stay generally the same everywhere because you can only do so right. much. The terminology is going to be different, but the basic concepts are pretty much the basic concepts everywhere. You can get kind of funky with it. You, you, know, you can do crazy stuff, but pretty much you're running what you're going to run. So when you've played the game before, I think it's a huge help when you come to the AFL. Northington, having played it last year, even though he didn't play the middle much, he understood the game. He understood the angles. He understood being one-on-one all the time. He under, I mean, even if he wasn't covering the motion, he's seen the motion. He's heard his coach talk to the middle man say what he should be doing, the technique. So you just kind of you kind of get that a learning experience. You get that first step in those lower-level leagues, and then you come up. But personally, I would love to see some more just fresh out of NFL camps, fresh out of college guys, big D1 guys who just didn't get that shot. Guys like Gerard Evans, I want to see more of that because you right. can mold them in the AFL. You can give them that learning experience in the AFL. And if a player is good enough, he's going to ball out no matter what. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like you said, there's you're starting to see a more of an influx and an explosion from other guys playing in other indoor leagues, which I think is good. I think that it obviously helps grow the indoor game and the indoor brand a little bit more, having these guys kind of move up, and then from there they move up to the NFL or the XFL or CFL. So, I think it's, you know, it's all good. It's, it's, it's great for the game all around. So, you know, glad to see, you know, glad to see the league continuing to progress because they definitely needed this year more than anything to see progression and um, evolution. Um, like I said, this is the High Motion Podcast here on Block Talk Radio with uh, myself and Harrison, with myself, John Offer, and Harrison Brown on ArenaFan.com. And before we wrap up, we got to do our week six picks here. Um, and DraftKings, before we go, we got to do both of those. So let's hop into the picks. Um, this week, our three games on the schedule is Baylor versus the Empire, Brigade versus AC, and Seabus versus the Soul Harrison. Who do you have for the Baylor versus the Empire, the rematch from earlier this season? Yeah, it should be, uh, should be a fun one. This is the first time they're doing two 3.30 games at the same time in the schedule. I don't know. I've always been kind of fascinated with how they're doing the schedule this year just because it's a smaller league and they're trying to do the betting. So I feel like each week they're kind of trying out new things at this part of the season. Like next week, it goes Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games. So each game is on each individual day. So, I mean, I just I found that interesting so far to continue watching. For this Valor and Empire game, I'm going to go with Oakley. I'm going to go with the home team, the undefeated team. I know it's a super easy pick, but I just, I mean, they've been firing on all cylinders. They really haven't let up at all. Washington has shown that they're a scrappy team. They want to hang around. They want to be in these games. But I just, I mean, the way the Empire are playing, I don't see any way they get it done. And they looked super, super sloppy against Columbus last weekend. They they should have lost that game, just completely being honest. They totally should have. I mean, Columbus gave them that win. But a nice throw by Arvo to Doug McNeil. Can't take no disrespect. But, whew, Columbus should have got their first win in that one. So I'm going to go with Albany for sure. I like that pick, and I'm going to go the same way. I'm going Albany as well. Like you said, they're clicking on Arvell all cylinders. Will be disappointed. I I I know I know Arvell will be, and if he's somewhere listening, I'm I'm sorry, Arvell, I, I I am. And if you ever want to come on the podcast, we would appreciate that as well too. But sure. <laughs> I uh I uh I agree. I think like you said, Albany's clicking on all cylinders. If they can't get pressure to Tommy Grady, it's going to be a long day for those you know DBs. 
Um, Malachi Jones, like I said, is on another level. Uh, Stevens has been, you know, he's been a game breaker himself. Um, getting open, I just think it's a little bit too much offense right now. And like you said, the Valor in their last couple of wins, their last couple of tight wins, they haven't looked very crisp at all. And that's not going to cut it against Albany. So I'm going with the Empire as well. Next game, we got Brigade versus AC. This is another rematch, I think, from earlier in the season, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is. Yep. I think they played already. So where are you going with this one, Harrison? Should be an interesting one. Uh, they, they did play a few weeks ago in Atlantic City. This is the second time they're playing now in three weeks. Like I kind of talked about, you do start to get familiar with teams when you play them in short windows and just when you play a team in general. So for that reason, I'm going to pick the Brigade to actually win this game over the Blackjacks. Even though it, I think it's going to be an interesting one, I just think that Baltimore, after that Atlantic City loss, they went out and played this soul very well. They played a good game in that one. And now they're coming back to Atlantic City after a win and having just lost to them. They're familiar with them, but they're also just going to be naturally pissed off about it from the loss earlier. So I'm going to go to Brigade in this one. Yeah, I like that pick as well. I'm uh, I'm leaning towards the brigade too. <laughs> so far, we're two. So far, so far, we're thinking on the same wavelength here. Like you said, I like. I I think you know Shane Boyd. I think we got to start putting some respect on that man's name. He's uh he's playing oh, great this season. He's 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 you know he's doing the thing which you know a lot. He's do, he's not turning the ball over. You know he's hitting on his passes. You know he's just he's just making the right play. And when you have a quarterback that can make the right play, and you know he can, he can, and he spreads the ball around, you're going to have a, you know, you're going to have a chance. And I think that secondary, I think Baltimore secondary is going to step up uh, this week. I think Powell and Victoria are going to do their thing, you know, against you know Lamarck Brown and Kendrick Ings and uh, Antoine Grand Company. So I like, I, I like, I like, I like Baltimore in this game. But like you said, I think it's going to be a close one, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch how both defensive lines play. Because I think both defensive lines have been really good this season, and they have shown a propensity to get to the quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how both of those lines play. Because I think that will be the tall tale sign of who wins, who ultimately wins this game. And last but not least, Soul versus the Destroyers down at the Wells Fargo Center, seven o'clock Saturday. Like you said, all games are on Saturday. Um, I'm going with the soul this one. I don't think they're going to lose four straight. There's no way they lose four straight. If they do, there's probably going to be a lot of changes if they, if they somehow lose <laughs> yeah, their four straight game. There there will be some massive changes, but I don't see that happening. I think, I think to be honest with you, I think you might get an angry performance from the soul. I think they might come out and just try to blow the destroyers out of the water um, in this one. I got the soul. Yeah, I think the Soul are going to be all business on Saturday night. I think they're going to come out firing. Um, Columbus, like we've said, they've gotten better each week. It's been gradual, and their offense struggled last week, and they blew what they should have had as a win. But they have gotten better each week. Grant Russell has generally improved each week. He's getting more and more comfortable. But, yeah, I think the Soul are going to come out really, really angry with the way that this season has went so far. I think they've let themselves down. They've already made a bunch of changes with the releases. Last week they cut three defensive starters like we talked about, Leroy Naismith, Spencer Myers, and then also R.J. Roberts, who was starting at MAC. They let all three of them go in one day. That's kind of uncharacteristic for the soul, but, it, I mean, hey, no disrespect to those players. It just kind of had to be done. you got to keep things moving. Things aren't working. you got to bring new people in. you got to get better. So I understand right. the move. I think they're going to go out and win this week. If they don't go out and win this week, like you said, I, I think – I think something needs to change. I think you've got to get rid of some more people, whatever you've got to do. But, nah, I think they have a decent group right now. I think they're going to be able to hold it down this week and generally start to get things going back in the right direction. I think after this week, they're going to be 3-3. Three and three. That's 500. You can really build on that. I mean, 3-3 three and three is nothing. If they win every game for the rest of the season, everyone will pretty much forget about this three-game skid or look back on it like, oh, right. wow, look at how they came. So they can really mm-hmm. they, they control their own destiny. It's so early in the season. They have complete control over their season. They can go do whatever they want with it. I think they're going to come out and win this week. I think they're going to build on that and keep winning. But like you said, man, mm-hmm. this this is kind of their first like must win game. And even though it, it even it, this isn't even a must win game, they can still bounce back after this. This is just a must win right. game in terms of momentum, man. Four games in a row for the Soul. Another loss at home to a team that hasn't won that doesn't happen. 
So they really, I think this is a must-win game for the soul. Definitely a must-win because now eventually you're going to start be talking about playoff positioning and seeding as well. So this is where games start to really count towards the second half of the season. So, hey, we'll see. All three of these games will be on the ESPN app, ESPN3. So, hey, if you got some time or the weekend, check it out. If you miss them, you can check it out on replay. It's all right there. ESPN app, ESPN3. Check it out. Arena football. Um, that's, pretty, that's, our, that's our week six preview in a nutshell. Wrap up. Um, we got to talk about some DraftKings real fast. I did not play DraftKings this week. This past weekend, I'm disappointed I didn't do that, but I'm going to do it this week. Um, I saw a tweet from AC that Kendrick Ings was the DraftKings player of the week for the in the AFL. I think he had like over 40 points or something ridiculous like that with the, with his three touchdowns and the kick return for a touchdown. So that's very um, impressive. Um, when let's do our let's just give it let's just give out a DraftKings uh, pick for everybody out there listening. Um, who do you have? Who should people? look out for this week Harrison in DraftKings oh well that's tough you know me I I, unfortunately am not of eligible (laughs) eligible age to be on DraftKings yet but if I'm just going off matchups I don't know really any of the numbers I think Washington is probably going to have another bounce back week I know I said that a few weeks ago but I think Washington will probably have a strong game versus Columbus team he wasn't really involved last week and the last time that he wasn't involved they brought him back against Baltimore that first time a week two and really got him going for, like, three touchdowns. So I know that they want to use him. I know that they like using him and getting him involved. He does a great job of finding space and finding openings in the defense. So that's not a bad pick. I think Rodeball is going to have a good game against Columbus. Um, I think Arvell will actually, even though I think they're going to lose, I think Arvell will have another strong game against Albany. Their secondary isn't the best. They've dealt with some injuries there. I think Arvell will be strong. Shane Boyd is starting to look more and more like an all right pick. If you're looking for a safe, probably cheaper pick, I'm not really sure, but I got to assume that he's not a crazy amount of money, and he's kind of getting it done, so you can utilize him, but I'll let you do it. You're, you're the DraftKings expert over here, man. No, nah, I'm not an expert. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just doing what I have to do to survive out here. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, I think no, though they're definitely great selections. You mentioned Washa. Um, right now on the DraftKings as a flex player, he's about seven thousand two hundred dollars, which isn't bad. Um, Shane Boyd, who you mentioned, is seven thousand eight hundred. Um, Grant Russell, another guy who I think you know, I know I wouldn't go with him this week. I think to be honest with you, if you want to get somebody that's real cheap and that could do and that and that's like you said, we point we talked about him earlier, who can really you know cause some damage is Doug McNeil. He's he's been yeah. really huge, and uh, on DraftKings right now he's four thousand eight hundred. So I think that's pretty good. That's pretty good cheap price if you're looking for. I'm trying to you know win a game and trying to get that quick still. So those are those, that would be my pick. So hey, Washa, Doug McNeil, Shane Boyd, those are the three selections here. If you got an issue with what we said, you know that's all good. Um, you can follow you can follow both of us on Twitter at Jovan Ten, and you can follow Harrison on Twitter at Harry Brown Russo if you have any if you have any qualms with our DraftKings picks or anything uh, that we said on this week's podcast. But before we wrap up real fast, we appreciate everybody uh for tuning in and checking out uh tonight's uh for checking out today's podcast. If, remember if you missed it you can check it out on BTR, Spotify and Apple Podcast. Harrison, before we wrap, anything new that you have on arenafan.com? Uh drop the James Romain article. I think I mentioned that a little bit two weeks ago, but that's up on Arena Fan. That was fun to write. Got to really talk to him about Alaska, which I kind of wasn't expecting to talk about with him and going into the interview. Like, I just thought it was going to be like a one or two quote thing, but we ended up talking about Alaska for like 10 minutes, man. So I was like, all right, well, that all this stuff is pretty good. I got to get this in the article somehow. So it's kind of Alaska heavy at first, but I, I think it was a fun article to write. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then this week I'm actually going to hit the Atlantic City game at 3.30 head out of there whenever the press conferences get done, hopefully like 6 o'clock. And then it's not too far from Philly. Uh, it's on that same road. I don't even have to jump off any roads. I just go from the expressway right onto the bridge. It's a pretty seamless transition. Uh, I think I might have to exit off the expressway, but whatever. I, I mean, there's GPS for all that. But, so yeah, I'm going to hit the solo game at night at 7 o'clock. So I'm going to do – this will be my second time hitting two AFL games in one day. I did it in 2017 with Washington and then Baltimore. 
This is my first time doing the AC in Philly, so I'm going to be on the expressway all day, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to do a, definitely something on Arena Fan. I'm not really sure what yet, just like for the logistics of it all, but definitely something on Arena Fan, and then maybe something on YouTube too, so stay tuned for all that. But other than that, man, same old, same old, and w- what you got coming up? Yeah, pretty much. Everybody, make sure to check out uh, Harrison's interview with uh, James Roman on ArenaFan.com. Interesting, interesting read. So make sure uh, you check that out. Pretty much on Total Sports Live, just pretty much a lot of NBA draft stuff. I'm just looking at what players uh, could possibly fit at the Sixers at the first round for any of their picks, any of their selections, first or second round. And uh, in free agency, free agency is going to be pretty huge for the Sixers as well. So that's going to be on Total Sports Live. But that's going to wrap up this epi- this week's episode of the High Motion Podcast. Everybody, thanks again for tuning in and checking us out. Enjoy the football this weekend. And, hey, let's see what happens. Will Columbus get their first win? Will the Soul lose four straight? Or, and, will the, and will Albany finally get defeated? We'll find out. Check out next week's show to see our reaction to it all. Have a good one.